0: This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm
1: Amazon Fulfillment Center Ambassador Sam Sachs. I am Amazon Football Club Starting Midfielder Sam Knight. <laughs> <laughs> We're broadcasting out of Town in Washington, D.C.
0: Check out the website districtsentinel.com. As always, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash district sentinel, where you can get access to all sorts of bonus content. You also get your own. We're doing a promo right now where subscribe just a dollar, as little as a dollar a month, you get your own haiku. We'll read it on air. A lot of you have subscribed. We've got a lot of haiku to read. We're going to read a bunch of them later
1: on at the end of the show. Hickenlooper, out. Out. <laughs> See ya. He's gone. The, the dipshit who appeared to just join the race to ingratiate himself to the establishment, has bowed out, John Hickenlooper. Not good news, though. He's running for Senate. I don't want him there. I don't want him in the Senate, and I wish him ill, and I hope he loses to a left-wing candidate in the Democratic primary. I have in my notes Biden next, and I know Biden
0: is not dropping out next, but he should drop out. There's a story about how AIDS are growing increasingly worried about his gaffes which means they're growing increasingly worried about his electability and instead of just pulling the plug on this right now they want to kind of hunker down and have him avoid as many campaign events as possible and public appearances as possible
1: the image that comes to my mind as i a phrase i have so often told my therapist is that is that of hillary clinton behind the rope yeah. line remember when when her staff had her marching in that parade behind a a cordon like a, it looked like police tape or something like yeah stay away five stay five feet away from hillary at all times <laughs> and that that is basically what the biden campaign is doing but on steroids yeah, yeah. They're, they're going to lock them of, in a cave or something. It's just a
0: matter of time before they start uh, employing the body double like the Hillary Clinton campaign did after she passed out at 9-11.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Another huge story today, uh, before we get to our regular news coverage here, is uh, there was a report that came out. This is uh, being talked about in the financial press. But basically, a guy who blew the whistle on... Bernie Madoff, noted fraudster Bernie Madoff, is alleging in a report that General Electric has about like $38 billion in accounting irregularities. Hmm. Sounds like a big deal. (laughs) Well, uh, investors seem to think it's at least a medium deal because GE stock was down 10% Uh, or so right around the time of this recording. It was down at at one point uh, by as much as 13%. This seems like a credible guy.
0: He blew the whistle on the Madoff scandal. But regardless of whether or not he's credible, I can totally believe that General Electric is cooking the books here.
1: The the way he explained it, and and you can find the report online, uh, uh, or the way how he foresees it all going down is... Uh, they're gonna have so they've dipped into reserves and they have some sort of contract some payments due uh in the next uh in the near term and that could cause a problem. Mm. It it could certainly cause a problem if uh ratings agencies downgrade the quality of GE stock that could force a lot of institutional investors to sell. Uh so we're we're fucking keeping an eye on this, that's for sure. And uh again not financial advisors, but if you own a GE stock you uh might want to do like 30 minutes of research on the story on your own tonight and uh, question your own i, uh, I don't know what uh, your GE portfolio would be exposure so fra- afraid of
0: showing losses it seems like that's the thing companies do nowadays <laughs> is brag about how much money they've lost we work going public Uh, Unveiled that it's lost a billion (laughs) dollars. Yeah. Uh, We talked about the scooter ride shares a few days ago. They've lost like hundreds of millions of dollars.
1: I think Uber just reported like- never made money. Never made money, but just last quarter, it reported losing like four billion in one quarter alone. Signs of a healthy
0: economy here. We're
1: we're just trying to get a few to a few dozen thousand each here to run this podcast, and uh, it's it's amazing, it's staggering seeing these companies lose such huge sums. Yeah. Like, just can we have some? <laughs> it is the middle of August here.
0: Piss Town is dead. There's only like what six entries in the Federal Register today.
1: Yeah, I uh, I try to thumb through it every morning just to you know, skim the titles and see if anything stands out at me. And they're usually like, uh, I don't know, over 100 entries at least, Uh, at least a few dozen today. Six. There are six. Yeah. Piss town is is stagnant right now. (laughs) Definitely. Um, We do have plenty of content for you
0: today, though. In addition of Chip Chat coming up after the newscast, Chip Gibbons will be joining us Talking about the national security state, uh, in particular, talking about the FBI and white supremacy. Also, Patreon subscribers can put in their garbage can nominees right now. That is open. We'll have the official garbage candidates out tonight that you can vote on. And hear who gets thrown in the garbage can on tomorrow's show. It's Thursday, August 15th, 2019. Here's
1: the news. Two Democratic congresswomen have been barred by Israel from entering the West Bank in East Jerusalem and occupied Palestine. You can probably guess who if you don't know already, Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar. The pair had been planning on making their journey days after the end of two separate APAC sponsored delegations to Israel, which, for the record, is also occupied Palestine, the entire country. Tlaib and Omar refused to take part in the APAC trips because the group's entire purpose is to serve as a propaganda arm for Israel's apartheid system, which the two have criticized. APAC itself criticized the banning for the record, but only because of bad optics. They've done as much as anyone to whip up hate against Tlaib and Omar. You'll recall at this year's APAC conference in Washington, speaker after speaker slandered the two as anti-Semitic. Speaking of which, the New York Times is reporting that President Trump requested the ban. He naturally took credit on Twitter, calling the two women, quote, a disgrace and a move bound to whip up even more racist hate against the pair. Relatedly, a spokesperson for settlers in the West Bank named Yeshai Fleischer called Omar and Tlaib, quote, enemy combatants. <laughs> Hat tip for Mondawais for pointing out that incitement to murder. But while Trump may take the credit and get the blame from many centrists and liberals in the United States, Israel frequently does this. It denies freedom of movement to its critics, especially Palestinians like Taleb. Iman Odeh, an Arab Knesset member from the Hadash party, noted as much, saying, quote, Israel has always banned Palestinians from their land and separated us from other Palestinians, but this time the Palestinian is a U.S. congresswoman. Odeh added that Taleb didn't even have to land to expose the true face of Israel's occupation. It's also banned BDS supporters the country. Yes, indeed it has. Anyway, Israel supporters hate Taleb and Omar, not just because they're Muslim, but as you alluded to, they support the BDS movement. This will only make BDS more popular, inshallah. I know uh, as an American Jew, my own first reaction to this story was, I would rather die than ever set foot in the state of Israel.
0: You know, I know the uh, the sort of analysis of well imagine if obama did this is pretty tired and sometimes it's just kind of funny to allude to to just discuss how quickly the norms have changed but a president working with a foreign government to get two members of congress banned from entering that country would like set off all sorts of right wingers. But I think we could use this as a precedent. And hopefully if we get an actual leftist president in the near future, they can work with foreign countries on getting George W. Bush arrested. <laughs> if he ever travels out of the country, I,
1: I don't think he's traveling anytime soon. Maybe I don't go think... <laughs> to like
0: France for some D day mem- commemoration or something when he thinks the heat's off. Well, let's, uh, let's hope they get his ass. Finally today, the graphic anti-smoking labels that you see on cigarette packages in Europe and other places around the world, they could soon be coming to the U.S. The Food and Drug Administration on Thursday proposed 13 new graphic warning labels that may soon adorn packs of cigarettes. If finalized, manufacturers starting in 2021 would have to apply the graphic labels so that they take up 50% of the service on both the front and back of the pack. The images. Include depictions of sick children, scarred chest post-surgery, lumps on the neck, bloody urine, stuff meant to warn that smoking causes illness in children, heart disease,
1: neck cancer, bladder cancer, all sorts of nasty shit. As a former Canada resident, I can uh, speak to the impact of these labels. They, they uh, have them in Canada they're gross. They're gruesome. Yeah. I quit so smoking like three times up in Canada. I think, <laughs> in part, of course, I took it back up again, but I quit for a bunch. And uh, part of the reason was those fucking the the packs, man. They that they, they're fucked up.
0: Yeah, and the FDA has the proposed labels up on their website, and they are pretty fucked up pictures. And they, quite frankly, they should be on the cigarette packs like they should be on each cigarette. <laughs> <They should print laughs> well them let, each cigarette. let's not go too far. I mean here. current cigarette packs have small textual warnings about the health effects which are just largely ignored.
1: Yeah, they don't they don't matter.
0: The FDA is doing this because it was mandated to do so by a law passed in Congress in two thousand nine. Implementation of graphic labeling was blocked in twenty twelve following a lawsuit by tobacco companies claiming it violated their First Amendment. <laughs> They, they, they were right according to the fucking
1: courts. Since then, the, the extremely legitimate courts. Yeah.
0: Since then, the department has been researching and studying new labeling, and tobacco companies will likely try to block this latest effort in court as well. Honestly, it's a bit surprising to see the FDA re-pursuing this sort of regulation under a Trump administration. Tobacco companies have to be looking around at all the other companies enjoying the burst of deregulation under Trump and being like, what the fuck? Why are you coming after us? Then again, Trump is like an anti-drug weirdo, so this may just be personal for him.
1: For, for an anti-drug weirdo, he sure does eat a lot of McDonald's. <laughs> like You'd think he would be a little more conscious of uh, what he puts in his body in general, but... I, Nevertheless, I consistent with anything. No, well, yeah, there you go.
0: All right, that'll do it for the newscast. Let's talk about the FBI and white supremacy in America now. That is the focus of the latest chip chat. We are joined by Chip Gibbons, the policy and legal counsel at the excellent organization defending rights and dissent, although. Whatever Chip says over the next fifteen to twenty minutes are his own thoughts, not the thoughts of the organization. Chip has also been published in numerous places, including Jacobin, the Washington Post, and In These Times. Although by now he's most well known for being the chip in our chip chat. <laughs> welcome that back is to chip. That is back, my chip.
2: defining that is my defining professional trait chip chat i just i leave everything else off of my cv and just put my my chip chat appearances on it
1: so there there's been talk recently about um an issue that impacts your work as uh, someone who focuses on civil rights and uh, civil liberties and such people have responded to the el paso shooting uh It was carried out by yet another far-right guy. This is the latest mass murder carried out by a far-right guy. And uh, many people, mostly libs and centrist types, are saying the FBI should have more authority... To target domestic terrorism, Bernie Sanders also said a, Ber- oh, we tw- sent out a tweet similar,
0: saying that we need more investment in law enforcement to deal with this issue. Okay,
1: right. Thank you. Thank you for the clarification. Uh, but it was mostly libs. It yes. was mostly libs. Joe Biden. Everybody's it. a lib except <laughs> Bernie. Essentially, well, Bernie. So. Bernie has his lib tendencies too. But that's probably don't cancel us, please. Anyway, Chip, this whole. Let the FBI go after domestic terrorism thing, or or enhance their powers. Sounds like a pretty shitty idea.
2: Well, I, so so there's 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 two ways to respond. Way one is to ask, you know, what actually are the FBI's powers to go after domestic terrorism, and and way two is to talk about, you know is the FBI a good vehicle to do this? And I will answer both questions, and I'm sure I will surprise your uh, regular listeners with my answers. But starting with the first one, the idea that the FBI does not have enough investigatory authority is like empirically false since you know I, I don't think most people realize how the fbi is is regulated they do not have a statutory charter congress did not sit down and be like this is the fbi this is what it does there is a um a law that authorizes the fbi to investigate any violations of the federal code not um left to another agency to investigate and then there's an executive order giving them national security powers, but there's no charter that defines who the FBI can investigate, why they can't investigate them, what kind of evidence is needed. Uh, with the exception of certain particularly intrusive surveillance techniques like wiretaps or national security letters, there's there's no regulation of what type of investigatory um, from Congress, what type of investigatory methodology they can use. The regulation since 1976 has been in the form of guidelines from the Attorney General. This was in response to the revelations of the abuses of the Hoover era. Uh, they set guidelines that uh, authorized how much evidence was needed to open an investigation and what they can do. You can imagine what happens when you allow the Attorney General to set these guidelines. Yes. They've consistently gotten weaker. Um, the current guidelines are put into place in December of 2008 by uh, McKenzie, George W. Bush's attorney general, and they are... Extra, an extraordinary departure from 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 the previous guidelines, in that they allow for the first time in the post Church Committee history, the FBI to investigate someone without any factual predicate that that person is involved in criminal activity or a threat to national security. You can open an assessment on into someone, um, so long as you have an authorized purpose, any authorized purpose. And assessments in the guidelines are juxtaposed to predicated investigations, predicated investigations literally meaning they have a factual predicate to, to investigate you. And then there's there's categories of predicated investigations, but that's that I'm not gonna go into that. So so the the, cat, the way in which the FBI can open an investigation is already quite low. Second of all, you know, there's this claim that there's somehow no laws against domestic terrorism and you know the FBI doesn't have a, a, a statute to, to even predicate an investigation on, and that's very bizarre. Um, you know, there's a there's 57 self-described federal crimes of terrorism. 51 of them apply to domestic actions. There's also my my favorite uh, law, which is undeniably a domestic terrorism law. Whenever people say there's not a domestic terrorism law, I'm, I'm always sort of surprise, there is the Animal Enterprise Terrorism Act, which obviously would not affect white supremacist violence, but this is a law that makes it terrorism to interfere with an animal enterprise in a way that uh, causes them to lose profits. Uh, The FBI has gotten some big terrorism bust out of this by arresting people for freeing mink from fur farms. Uh, I kid you not. Look at their press releases. (laughs) <laughs> and um good good to know, know that the the
0: uh, the domestic terror crimes were basically created in response to the ELF in the 90s the
2: the the animal enterprise terrorism act i think that's definitely true of i i believe the 57 <laughs> laws against terrorism might predate the 90s sure. uh the designation for them as the federal crimes of terrorism comes from a nineteen ninety four statute that is it's it's technically a material support law but it's it's not the one that people think of when they think of material support. It's it's basically an aiding and abetting statute that makes it a crime to like Aid in the commission of any fifty seven crimes of terrorism that defines that based on statutes that already exist, uh, there's also five hate crime laws, there's racketeering, and you know there's there's no shortage of laws against massacring people in a Walmart uh, on the basis of their race or national origin and If you look at the way the FBI conducts domestic terrorism investigations, there was a 2010 OIG report that reviewed their use of domestic terrorism uh powers to investigate um domestic advocacy groups like PETA, Greenpeace, the Catholic Worker from I believe two thousand and one to two thousand and six is the time frame, though the report did not come out until two thousand and ten because oversight is very slow. Um, by the time we are done with the oversight, it's no longer an issue, and there's no need to discuss it until the next problem, which you know will then have no need to discuss. By the time that comes to light, either, and you know they they, they have this this review of of this investigation into the Catholic workers, and I I, I cite it as the example of how broad domestic terrorism is. You know they investigate uh, a, the, the OIG talks about an incident in which someone threw red paint at a military recruitment center and then someone sent an email saying that was on behalf of the people of Iraq who suffered under Saddam Hussein and now suffer under the United States and the FBI investigated that as domestic terrorism you know red paint and and the OIG concluded that under the FBI's guidelines that was a proper domestic terrorism investigation so, because the because there was a use of force or violence to achieve a political
0: end. So the point is, Chip, there are more than enough tools at the FBI's disposal to begin investigating uh, white supremacist activities and violence. Yes. So it's more of an issue of Priorities. (laughs) Priorities.
2: <laughs> yeah. No. I. I mean, the Brennan Center did a, a report on, you know, of on the issue. You know, do we need a domestic terrorism law? And their conclusion was, you know, they have 51 laws and a bunch of other statutes that can be used. It's not a issue of law. It's an issue of public policy. You know, and and that is, I think, pretty much it. And it's very bizarre to watch Jake Tapper or whatever his name is on, on CNN, you know, asking these former FBI agents these very loaded questions where he's you know, like, oh, some of your other colleagues say they need a domestic terrorism while well, they don't have enough power. Is that true? And of course, the former FBI agent says, yes, they do. Uh, or yes, we do need one. Uh, I watched this one former FBI agent. I am. Um, I don't know what his name was. But he's a CNN commentator now, and he explicitly said that if you were associated with ISIS, he could arrest you, which is actually not how uh, federal law works. So I'm a little bit disturbed by what he thought his powers were. He he excited the material support for terrorism statute the one that makes it a crime to to give material support to a foreign terrorist organization which is overly broad and criminalizes speech but it's not so overly broad that the FBI can put you in jail for quote-unquote being associated with with a group I and I was just like if he thinks that's what the statute is we should have someone go back and review all of his terrorism investigations
1: so we, in Sort of hashing out what the proper response is to the uh, undeniable rise in right-wing terror, you have, on one hand, um, left-wing groups, anti-war groups, environmental groups, uh, labor groups that the FBI is uh, trying to bust up, sending informants to their meetings, intimidating them, uh, getting them banged up on on ridiculous charges, et cetera, et cetera. And on the other hand, you have these far-right groups which are inspiring massacre after massacre. And the FBI is not, it doesn't seem like they're sending informants uh, to bust up these groups and intimidate, sorry. I can think of at least a half dozen examples off the top of my head in the last decade
0: of the FBI Setting up a young Muslim man for who has maybe some mental issues or something, setting him up to carry out of uh, violence, funding it, giving him the weapons, everything. And then right before he's about to do it, arresting him, putting out this press release about how he foiled this terrorist plot. That's happened several times in the last 10 years. I can't think of one time. Not one time that we've. Seen. There's been several. Not,
2: there's been several cases where where they have done sting operations against um, people who were white supremacists. Right. I, I can well, think of two incidences, but they're very similar, in that they're people with with mental illness. I believe yeah. the one person lived with his parents and it's has no real. It's a fucked up tactic. Connect.
0: I mean, it's obviously yeah, a fucked no, up it, tactic. It, it, it's, it's entrapment it, it's either way. It should be illegal. People. But yeah, I guess I'm I guess I'm wrong. I I hadn't noticed there's, these stories, there's, but
2: there's there's, there's not. A complete absence of the FBI going after these groups that would be uh, not a true statement but there there is it's not there it is a small small sliver of how the FBI uses its resources and it's particularly disproportionate to like the threat of red paint on a building versus the threat of you know actual violence so, and historically, the FBI did have a coin uh, tell program against the um, Ku Klux Klan. If you want to see something interesting, look up the picture of the informant testifying before the Church Committee. He would not show his face on TV because it was in the witness protection. He was definitely connected, or very likely connected, to the murder of, of two people. On um, the FBI informant was so he would not show his face on TV. So they made him wear a mask. And it's a white mask with holes cut out in it, and it looks like a – you should pull this picture up because he's also wearing a very uh, interesting colored suit. Well, um, I, I I didn't want to – say, But, 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 but he, he told the FBI that the um, police department had told the Klan that they had 15 minutes to beat up the Freedom Riders, so the FBI knew in advance about both – Violence against the freedom riders and against and local law enforcement collusion um, which interestingly enough was actually one of the reasons they used to justify uh, o- operating a, a tell program against the clan was that local law enforcement was so involved with them. it made you know normal law enforcement response very difficult, but you know they, and they did nothing. Um, they just had this guy uh, sleep with the wives of clan of leaders that was their big strategy to clan violence you know. Uh,
1: we're going to cut them. This is them. all from the
2: church committee testimony. This is all from the church committee testimony. This is. These are not like... Well, I, I, feel, know, I
0: feel like that was the agent's idea. Like, why don't I just try and sleep with their
1: wives? He just wanted to bang I, an, I another white supremacist. I actually,
2: unfortunately, the number of informants who claim they have been told this, including in like Operation Flux, where the FBI was basically engaged in suspicionless surveillance of the Orange County Muslim community, it, it, it seems to me that the FBI thinks this is, is, it, is it an actual like valid solution to oh. terrorism? Uh, well, I didn't. Which, I didn't. Uh, w- wait, 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 Which, which I mean, I, but you know, in the church committee, in in the testimony, this is not in the final report. This is in the testimony, which is which is the transcript on is online. The general counsel for the church committee directly juxtaposes the use of Pro against the Klan versus. Um, black racial justice groups and black power groups saying it's nowhere near as violent, it's nowhere near as destructive. They clearly only targeted, it wasn't justified, but they clearly only targeted people with, a, violence with a, a nexus towards violence, were in these, with these black power groups, they just maliciously went after them with the intent to destroy the organization for political reasons. So I, it's, it's, it's... um. It's an interesting history. And obviously
1: we uh, see a straight line from that history and the FBI throwing everything it has at uh, the Muslim community and uh, other you know, minority communities and, and left-wing groups. And I didn't want to sound too much like a crank in suggesting the FBI never goes after neo-Nazis. Like me. You didn't <laughs> want to sound like a crank like me. <laughs> but I also... I mean, I think there is a lot of uh, truth to that. And we all remember roughly 10 years ago when Homeland Security put out a report warning that white nationalism was on the rise again in the wake of President Obama's election. And all the influential Republicans in Washington just absolutely freaked out publicly saying, oh, this is just an excuse to go after the right and it appeared to have worked. And DHS retracted that report and said, oops, sorry. So uh, th- the point is they already have the power to go after these white nationalist groups. And because they're not, maybe the solution is like the FBI is a dangerous organization and uh, we need to consider getting rid of that as part of our uh, our long-term approach to white nationalism.
0: It's, it's almost as though the FBI is just operating as the law enforcement institution of a white supremacist <laughs> nation.
2: Sure. So I, I, I think there's huge structural problems with the FBI and you can ask the question as to whether or not they're capable of being reformed. I, I think that, you know, in the interim, what Congress should do is to finally put out a statutory charter for the FBI that clearly, clearly limits what their powers are. They need to get rid of the idea that you can investigate someone without a factual predicate, which like I said, was not the case from 1976 to 2008. And they need to put like serious protections in for First Amendment speech. Um, They should not be allowed to investigate First Amendment protected activity or something that involves that unless there's articulable facts that the federal penal code is going to be violated and they should have to weigh that against the the severity of the crime versus the severity of of the chilling effect on speech and and Congress should be notified regularly about about these investigations that would be would be my my suggestion um another great example of f b i bias is in two thousand and six there was a a rally by the traditional workers party which i i believe is a white supremacist group i i don't that's what i'm told um and that um there were counter protesters to, to to this white supremacist protest from by any means necessary and uh they were stabbed by white supremacists and the FBI opened a domestic terrorism investigation into by any means necessary. Which I, I talk about in my recent article Jesus. for in these times expanding the powers of the FBI is not the solution to white supremacist violence. Um because it's just an example of the FBI's, you know, first of all, overly broad Domestic terrorism powers, and second of all, their institutional racism. They actually could not get the name of the white supremacist group right. They thought it was a Ku Klux Klan rally, and they considered opening an investigation into the counter protesters who were stabbed and conspiring to violate the rights of of the Ku Klux Klan, um, which is ridiculous. But then, in the FBI's documents. They they describe who the Ku Klux Klan is as you know a group that consists of members that some perceive to be supportive of a white supremacist agenda. Wow, which is you know
1: astonishing. Sounds like the New York the, Times wrote it. I uh, I think another. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think
2: I think and, th- and once again th- th- not 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 to. Uh, it wasn't even the right white supremacist group. You know, they, they can't even get, they're investigating these, this racial justice civil rights group by any means necessary essentially for getting stabbed by white supremacists and in the process they can't even get the name of the white supremacist group correct and on top of that they, you know, Ku Klux Klan is an organization that consists of people that some consider to have a white supremacist agenda which I, I feel like you know, several hundred years of KKK history would indicate that uh, what their agenda is.
1: It is exactly white supremacy. Uh, it is, I, yes. I think another practical, if we're not going to talk about, I mean, if, if we're assuming that uprooting the FBI is not feasible, which it doesn't seem very politically pragmatic, maybe another uh, pragmatic policy Suggestion would be some sort of more meaningful restraints on the tens of uh, the something like sixteen thousand confidential informants the FBI has uh, because they can basically operate as sort of like a parallel law enforcement agency without a lot of other restrictions uh, that that FBI agents have as far as I understand it.
2: They act as Asian provocateurs regularly within within the Muslim community, and with some exceptions out outside of that, um, Occupy Cleveland was was another example of that. And I mean, we should not be having that should be illegal. Yeah, that should not be allowed. Um, that should be illegal. I 100% agree with that. I'm, I'm That would be one of my recommendations about you know how to re t- to alter the FBI's current current standing rules um, would be to forbid the use of confidential informants. Interesting story, the FBI did a sting in the 1980s on members of Congress, um, and Congress then got very, very concerned about the use of sting operations. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and, was that ab scam was that the uh, yes, the, the movie yes, they made yes, with yeah uh, that was Bradley the one and Cooper they had and two
2: them. separate se- two separate congressional investigations they had the Senate select committee on like undercover operations and then the House judiciary subcommittee on civil liberties which was chaired by Don Edward who is an interesting figure in that he was both a former FBI agent and And he was the sponsor of the FBI First Amendment Protection Act, which would have done what would have modified the FBI's rules to do what I had suggested earlier. I did not have that idea myself. I I took it from legislation that was offered in the early 90s that Nancy Pelosi Um, co-sponsored. Probably she would not co-sponsor it now, but um, (laughs) and but but the the, fight for it
1: as speaker. She'd probably co-sponsor it and then let it die in committee. I know.
2: Think anyone would be co-sponsoring a bill to limit the powers of the FBI and yeah, especially Democrats? Today, well, yeah. uh, again, yeah.
1: Pelosi would do it as a messaging thing and then see to it that the bill never advances. Anyway, that's that's the point I, I was I trying think to she'd make. Be too afraid to even I, do I, it as I, a messaging thing. I know, thing.
2: I know the point that you're making, Sam, about <laughs> Pelosi, um, and I think she would do that with you know most of the progressive agenda. But I, 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 I do question in two thousand nineteen if Democrats are even willing to to touch touch the issue of the FBI. Yeah, but I mean right. they, the House the House the House um, investigation and it was just a subcommittee, they issued a report where their recommendation was that the FBI should have to get a judicial warrant based on probable cause before doing an undercover investigation. Hmm. Which, you know, seems rather reasonable to me, but is entirely off the agenda today but some sort of restriction to to doing these types of undercover surveillance in you know first amendment protected activity would would be I think Really, uh, a positive step. Uh, under the Ashcroft guidelines of 2002, and continued through the mccasey guidelines, there's something what's called the public meeting rule. Whereas FBI, the FBI can attend any meeting that's open to the public, and that's defined very broadly. So you know, any service at a mosque, any demonstration, any organizing meeting, basically, and not disclose its participation. Hmm because it's a public place and you have no reasonable expectation of privacy. And and part of the problem problem with that is is the courts uh in the 1970s the the military was infiltrating and spying on anti-war protesters in DC and they sued them for violating their first amendment rights. There's there's not a fourth amendment issue because it's not considered a search because it was public activity. Um and the court Never decided the case on the merits they they threw it out on a procedural thing saying that the plaintiffs couldn't couldn't show a harm that their the fact they were less likely to participate in First Amendment activity because the United States military had <laughs> dossiers on them and was spying on them was a sub, self subjected chill you know and you can't, and, you can't
1: quantify that <laughs> Jesus Christ.
2: Sounds well like... it's interesting but it's interesting because because there was the, the NYPD um surveillance of, of mosque and Muslims and there was the one mosque in, in New Jersey where they tried to throw out the case on similar grounds and I believe I think I'm not one I'm sure they eventually settled, but the mosque argued that they had a decrease in donations because of the surveillance. Like people didn't want to come to the mosque and, and the courts were actually moving in the direction, at the lower level at least, of, of entertaining that as, as actually being a, a provable harm. So it's not entirely impossible. There are incidences where you can apparently quantify it, but it, it's such a ridiculous procedural hurdle, and the idea that if I... Stop protesting the Vietnam War because I don't want the U.S. military to have a dossier with my picture and information about myself. And if that's just me being, you know, subjecting myself to a chill, that is, that is, you know, absurd. Sounds like the— But once again, Congress could step in here and pass legislation. Um, a number of people could ask. But, you know, every branch of our government is, is very determined not to do anything to rein in political surveillance. So the
0: correct answer to the white supremacy violence problem is to actually curtail the powers of the FBI and deal with the FBI's own white supremacist
2: problem. I mean, The rest know, is going can, to be up to
0: us to organize against, I'd say. mean,
2: you can make an argument. Uh, this wouldn't necessarily be the argument that I would make, but one could make an argument that, you know, all of this domestic terrorism resources devoted to like occupy Wall Street where you admit they're nonviolent or anti war activists, you know, is preventing them from going after real domestic terrorism and and, and the case of white supremacy, and that if you had stricter guidelines where they needed actual evidence of a crime that was weighed against the threat to the to civil liberties and the severity of the crime, they would have to actually allocate their resources properly. You know, one could make that sort of utilitarian argument. Well, they are aware um, of
0: this problem. I mean, the FBI director was just before Congress admitting that the, the number one domestic terror threat comes from right-wing white supremacist actors.
2: Which they've collapsed into a single category with quote-unquote black identity extremists.
0: Yeah, they they do uh, categorize these in strange ways. As of
2: 2019, because they got in trouble because they had the ridiculous uh intelligence assessment that one of the top threats was black identity extremism, which is this perverse idea that because of African Americans' perception of police violence and racism, they'll they'll go out and kill police officers. It's it's basically about criminalizing black descent. Um and that the the argument there people rightfully uh, criticize them for that, so they just took black identity extremist and white supremacist extremist and put them in one category called racially motivated extremist.
1: Both sides. This is... This both is the sides, most no. egregious, well, fucked-up example of both abortion. sides. They
2: do that with abortion. One of the categories now, and it used to be anti-abortion extremist, but at some point in time, I don't know when it changed, it's abortion extremist. And if you go on their website for like middle schoolers or high schoolers called Don't Be a Puppet, where they educate uh, school children on how not to become violent extremists, <laughs> they go, it's just a real website. It, oh it includes God. this bizarre game with a goat you have to be a goat and avoid running into blocks and every time you don't run into a block you get a different instance of terrorist propaganda so you know no to avoid that terrorist propaganda um, I'm not making this up. I wish I was. I feel like
0: we should use this game. If we could just change it slightly, we can get kids uh, into committed revolutionary soldiers.
2: Yeah, I don't think any children are going to be down <laughs> with this 1997 graphics and this goat game, which I don't like it because I keep losing at it, um, and I think it's impossible. Kids, and, tired
0: and of angry. playing the Arkanoid? Check but,
2: this but, game but, out. But, but in the list of extremists, they have abortion extremists, and there's something like you know both sides of the abortion debate have used violence. It's like really? When?
1: Never. It's it, they're they're <laughs> trying to insinuate that pro that pro-choice people are like sneaking into pregnant women's houses to perform <laughs> to perform abortions. I, I don't know. I, I but
2: but I, I but you know I I've been working for the last several months on a report on FBI surveillance since 2010, and I've I've been going through a lot of old archival stuff from before that time period. Um, and I'm slowly losing my mind as a result of this, but uh, I've been looking at, like, old congressional testimony and old FBI reports, and they used to say anti-abortion extremist, but it it suddenly, at some point, I don't know when, it becomes abortion extremist, because both sides of the debate about whether or not women are people who deserve basic human rights have uh, engaged in violence. Chip
0: Gibbons, thank you for coming on the show. People can follow you on Twitter at... Chip, Chip Gibbons, Gibbons eighty nine. Eighty nine. There it is. Hey, uh, before we let you go, and feel free to say pass. Who killed Jeffrey Epstein?
2: <laughs> I think that's something that requires a thorough investigation. Do you
0: think we'll ever have definitive a definitive answer on this? Uh,
2: do I, I? 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 That's I don't think people will ever be satisfied with the answer, whatever it is. I think whatever the evidence shows and how strong it is, I think people are always going to have lingering questions um You know my position on on Epstein is that there are obviously a lot of questions and irregularities irregularities do sometimes occur, but they they warrant investigation. And I'm I'm not sure of what happened, but I, I I certainly question what happened because you would have to be a non-thinking person to look at you know. He was supposed to be on suicide watch, and oh. then he wasn't, and then he was in a cell by himself, even though that's not the policy, and sure, then there surely. wasn't a real prison guard, and then they didn't check on him for three hours, and then they heard shrieking, and you know, maybe maybe it's just a really incompetently run prison, or maybe something else happened. Like, it's not, this isn't like, you know, it's, 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 it's rational to have questions in this circumstance. Um, I... I don't think anyone knows what happened at this point, but I, I think a thorough investigation is probably a good idea.
1: Mr. Epstein was cle- cleaning the prison knife room when he stepped on uh, two sticks of butter. He wasn't wearing his prison issued shoes. <laughs>
2: Like, like 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 realistically speaking things like that well probably not the butter can can happen um you know no one is is ever going to be satisfied with an explanation like that in this case but at the same point at time i i don't think it's irrational to want a thorough investigation into what happened um i mean it's it's i think there's i i think
0: Well, if there's one thing we've learned over the last half hour talking with you, Chip, is that we can trust our law enforcement entities to carry out a uh, full investigation here and to get to the bottom of what has happened. Chip Gibbons, this concludes another edition of Chip Chat. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you for having me on.
0: Thanks again to Chip Gibbons. We have included a link to his In These Times article in the show description. Make sure to check it out. Before we leave you today, we do have some poetry to read for our new subscribers over at patreon.com slash district sentinel.
1: Sam, take it away. This is for Thomas. Blinded by the light, it sounds like he sings about a douche in the night. I've always thought that myself. (laughs) Not afraid to
0: admit it. Thank you, Thomas.
1: Never going to look up the lyrics, though. Never.
0: This is for Eric P. How about potatoes? Fry them, whip 'em, them, whip them, but
1: never eat them raw. Thank you, Eric P. For the record, occasionally I will eat a small raw potato peel, and it's not that bad, but... What, like while you're peeling potatoes,
0: you'll eat some of the peel?
1: Yeah, or while I'm chopping it, I'll, I'll take a tiny little piece and, and I'll eat it. I'll chew it. It's it's like. Fuck it. I just eat it. I don't care. <laughs> just a tiny I'm not even little. I'm hungry. I just put it in my mouth and swallow just, it. Just a, to just do a little it. bit. Just a little bit. Anyway, uh, next, this is for Andrew. Officer, please don't. I thought it was legal now. Please return my shrooms. Thank you, Andrew.
0: This is for Rob. Of all the kingdoms, mammals are by far the best because we have fur. Thank you, Rob. Two mammal haikus, two
1: days in a row. This is for Willev. Leave your windows down. Oh, wait, that isn't a dog. It's only Ted Cruz. Thank you for Willev or Will Eve. This goes
0: to Mark. Chance of KJB. Swell up in the arena. Ha
1: ha, funny joke. Ha ha, funny joke indeed. Thank you, Mark. This is for Eric R. Please, Mr. Biden, you're here to shake voters' hands. Don't talk to oak trees. (laughs) Thank you, Eric R.
0: Finally, this is for Slums McKenzie Lives. Heard it on TV. Slurms.
1: Slurms McKenzie. This is a
0: Futurama reference. Oh, shit. (laughs) Slurms McKenzie Lives. Here we go. Heard it on TV, someone named Slurms McKenzie had died. Guess it's wrong.
1: Thank you, Slurms McKenzie. We all remember your heroic sacrifice to let Fry and the gang escape. <laughs> well, that not one all episode. of us
0: remember, obviously. <laughs> all right, we'll have more haiku next week. All of you new subscribers, if you haven't heard your poem We've got it on a list here. You're going to hear it soon. Subscribe so you can hear tomorrow's Garbage Can show for those of you who haven't subscribed yet. We'll be back tomorrow. Till then, we're here in D.C. so you don't have to be.